Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for the show and Happy New Year. I think we have a few more days to keep saying Happy New Year to each other. It's 2023, of course, and a new legislative session has begun in Albany. Today, my guest is the Majority Leader of the New York State Senate, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, a Democrat who will again lead a supermajority in her chamber. That will also work with the Democratic supermajority in the state assembly and Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul, who is now beginning her first full term in the role of governor. Though some expected Democrats to lose their state Senate supermajority, they made up for some losses on Long Island with, with wins elsewhere, including two new senators from New York City based on shifts in population and redistricting, including undoing some prior gerrymandering, and that added two districts to the city that were both won by Democrats in the 2022 election. So it's a new year with a new conference, but the same leadership in Albany, including State Senate Majority Leader Andrew Stewart-Cousins. Thank you for joining me here to discuss what's ahead in 2023, your agenda, your conference's priorities, and more. I appreciate your time. How are you today? I'm doing well, and it's really nice to be with you. And let me wish your audience and you a very, very happy new year. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. So, so we're happy speaking, and healthy. Yes, indeed, for everyone. Um, so we're speaking here on Friday, January 6th. You just started the 2023 legislative session this week. The governor is about to present her state of the state address and agenda on Tuesday the 10th, followed by her executive budget, Things are off and running here. You have a nominee from the governor to be considered by the state Senate for the next chief judge uh, to lead the Court of Appeals and the state court system. That has obviously been the subject of much discussion. Mayor Adams is looking for help from you around the uh, asylum seeker crisis. He wants more changes to the bail laws. You, Governor Hochul, Mayor Adams are all talking about addressing the state's affordable housing crisis. There's a lot going on here. So um, let's let's just start with a with an overview of your top priorities. What are a few things that you really uh, I, I mentioned, of course, affordable housing. But what are a few things that you're putting on the top of your agenda, the agenda of the state Senate Democratic supermajority here as we start 2023? You know, I mean, again, we are still uh, rebounding from covid. So we are always, always trying to make sure that we continue to get past uh, <clears throat> the all of the um, implications of, of this uh, pandemic. Uh, and obviously, we need to continue to bolster our economy. Uh, in addition to, I talked about in my speech, the affordability of New York. We know that, um, you know, it's it's difficult for um for everyone. And so we will continue to try and and figure out in a myriad of ways how to make things more affordable. Uh, you know, and, and you mentioned housing. Obviously, part of that is making sure you can afford to to have the roof over your head and to keep it over your head. Uh, I'm happy about the Bond Act. You know, the voters passed our our $4.2 billion Bond Act that will help with uh, infrastructure and and um, combating climate change. And so I am looking forward to working to get that out and to continue to move our um, climate uh, policies 
Um, from, you know, again, we have historic climate change that we passed a couple of years ago. And and so, uh, you know, we're trying to to, to reach those goals. Uh, we're going to continue to, you know, aid our, our education system because anybody who knows me knows that I really feel that education is the key. Uh, we will obviously be looking at public safety because we understand that People need to feel and be safe and, um, you know, continuing to to work on the the kitchen table issues, the quality of life issues, mm -hmm. keep investing in schools and our hospitals and in our, um, you know, just trying to make make. Uh, make it a better place. Uh, we've done a lot of great things. I could go on and on about the amazing things that this the Senate majority, along with the Assembly, have been able to do over the past four years, starting in 2019. And uh, I think it's it's been such a, a you know a, a wide range. Whether it is um, you know codifying Roe. Or, or doing the John Lewis Voting Act, and like I said, our climate change, and um, you know our, our our housing initiatives. And, you know, we've done an amazing amount. I think for many people, it 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 looks easier than it was, <laughs> but we know that we have much much more to do. And the fact that we're in a position of having super majorities, we could certainly get get a lot done. Um, we're speaking the day after you attended, along with other top black leaders in the state, a summit pulled together by Reverend Al Sharpton. Yeah. Um, you spoke to the media, uh, uh, several of, of the participants so spoke to the media briefly after to, to give a few thoughts on what was discussed. Is there is there a, a is there a takeaway from that summit that was focused on public safety that you're now taking back to your conference or was there a specific message you are already bringing to that summit that you want people to know about that uh, is in terms of a priority for you for advancing public safety further. The mayor, obviously, earlier in the day yesterday had uh, done a briefing on the crime statistics in the city for 2022. And there was there were a lot of uh, signs of progress there. There's still you know some troubling trends, including overall crime uh, rates being up in the city for the year over the prior year, but but some real signs of progress uh, in gun violence coming down, and then you know some other trends. So uh, was there was there anything you either took away from that that you're bringing back, or that you brought to that specifically that you want people in New York to know about? Well, you know, I think that that and I was very happy that uh, Reverend Sharpton had, um, you know, the vision to bring us all together. Uh, part of the what, you know, I know is that and, you know, people don't know me. And I think it's important to at least uh, let folks know that, you know, I grew up in the projects. You know, I um, I never in my life would have envisioned uh, based on uh, who who I am, who, uh, you know, there are circumstances, you know, my my parents, uh, you know, were shut out a lot of, of life because of the color of their skin. My mother, uh, that was doubled because of her gender. So, you know, the vision of someone like me actually being in the position that I am in to be able to, you know, move uh, in a direction 
that you know reflects uh, a lot of people like me is just kind of um, incredible. So I think what what I and so many others of the the leaders in that room brought is is a perspective that hasn't been necessarily part of the conversation, uh, you know, before. And so, you know, all of us have been working on the same things. We're working on not only public safety, but we're working on justice. And I think the message has always been that the two can go together. Sometimes when you do different things in, uh, say, the public safety space, based on, and we all bring our experiences to the space, based on experiences that you've had that may not have been collectively experienced, people do not know why you do what you do. And so it was, you know, uh, reminding everyone that sometimes, you know, in certain communities, experiences uh, uh, are different and that the communication as to what's being done, why it's being done, as well as the the understanding that uh, everybody uh, has to be involved and we have to be telling each other uh, what we're doing and how we're approaching it and be willing to always keep, again, those two things in mind, justice and public safety, and be willing to uh, you know make make changes and accommodations, but but all of these things need to be communicated in a way. And as I said in my remarks, you know I love the press, but I don't necessarily want to be communicating to each other who are you know in this work uh, through the press. And so I think um, you know that was something that was extremely important. Everybody again has a different role. Everybody is emphasizing a different thing. But the thing that I thought was really important is that everyone understood that there there's um, a lot to be done. It's multifaceted. Uh, that you know I was proud, as I'm sure the speaker is, in, in some of the things we've done. You know, in the childcare space, for example, in in um, finally answering the CFE and and allocating resources to pay back school districts that had been uh you know under-resourced and the state was sued about it and and still didn't do anything and we we started meeting that challenge and and whether it's a you know a focus now on universal pre-k you know so there's there's a lot of elements to to all of these things and and you know, we we all have to do what we do in order to make sure that we are, you know, obviously making people safe, we're providing justice, and we're doing the things to invest in communities so that, you know, hopefully we won't even have to have the the conversation about uh, you know involvement in the the criminal justice system so um right i've heard i've heard you you stress quite a bit that you're you know you're focused on what mayor adams often talks about about prevention about that that absolutely. side about resources into communities as you just noted things like child care and education funding and more yeah after um, school programs and so mm-hmm. so all all of these things have to happen and i think we're all focused on the fact that that all of these things have to happen and also you know tell the story and i'm glad that you did that that you know, there is this is, first of all, a national problem. And I've always said that, you know, people are are 
are pretending that, you know, you know, like say, quote unquote, bail reform that we did in New York is sort of responsible for the entire national uh, surge in crime. And we know that in Republican governed uh, states, there is a surge in crime. And, and people are forgetting that we've been locked down with a pandemic unprecedented for, for mm -hmm. years, that they're, they're ignoring the proliferation of guns, they're ignoring mental health implications, they're ignoring everything, and trying to just draw a line between uh, you know, trying to seek see justice in a criminal justice system with a, a surge in crime. It's an easy message, but it's it's just not true. Mm -hmm. And the data doesn't link it. So I think, you know, just being clear about what people are experiencing, the implications of it, and the fact that we are addressing it, but really trying to make sure people understand at least we're all we're all looking at the same facts. There, there, I want to get to some other topics, but just sure. a little more on this. There, there's there seems to be a real tension here between um Mayor Adams, and it seems like Governor Hochul is is sort of uh, aligned with him to some degree, continuing to talk about potentially making changes to bail reform related to recidivism. That's the main thing the mayor has now been talking about, about uh, some number. He, he puts it at roughly 1,600 people in the city who repeatedly commit uh, crimes uh, alleged to commit crimes and, and are repeat offenders, and that something more needs to be done about holding these individuals in jail, pre-trial, uh, to ensure they're not leaving, being arrested again, leaving, being arrested again, and so forth. You, Speaker Hasty, and Governor Hochul, to an extent, have also said, we need to let the changes we made in 2022 to the bail law be implemented better. We're worried about how the court system might be implementing them or not. We need to give this more time to evaluate. So it seems like there's something coming to a head again there about the mayor pursuing more changes to the law and others of you saying we need to be a little bit more patient here. Is that a, is that a fair way to frame some of the discussion that's going on? Was there any discussion at this summit or elsewhere where you said you really need to give this more time to see how it's going based on the changes we did make last year? Yeah. You, yeah. you know, I think so actually the mayor and I did have a conversation uh, about that prior to the to the summit. Um, we we had a chance to speak on uh, the governor's inauguration day on the first. And what I said to him, and I think it's important to restate, is that I don't think anybody uh, is interested in having violent repeat felons be recycled through the system. I'm certainly, you know, not somebody who wants to see violent repeat offenders, you know, just get in, get out, get in and out. However, the bail reforms that we did did not address those people. Bail and everything that was in place for them is still in place. Our bail reform was very simply about nonviolent felonies mm -hmm. and misdemeanors. It's about people who are accused, as Khalif Browder was accused, of stealing a backpack and winding up in Rikers Island for three years, mostly in solitary confinement as a teenager, because he didn't have bail. Mm -hmm. So our bail reforms did not did not uh, say that 
whatever is happening with violent offenders should not happen. So the fact that the people are being recycled for years has, again, nothing to do with the bail reforms that we did. So how, what is with the system that allows for that to happen? And that's why everybody has to be involved. You know, what's happening with the, the, the judicial system? You know, what, what's happening with that? But, but people have been very quick to conflate bail reform, which is dealing with, with misdemeanors and um, with, you know, violent crime, which we did not address that in a way. And by the, the other thing is that even with the repeat offenders for nonviolent felonies, you know, the, the robbery or whatever, the, we went back and made sure that people understood that if you are a repeat offender, then the no bail is is not applying to you so that you will be bail eligible. So. Right. That, yeah. that, that, that right there seems to be the crux of the issue. Right. That's exactly. that seems to really be what Mayor Adams is talking about. That's what you and the governor and others have said. Wait, we just made some of we these did changes. It, you know, yeah. but that's it. it. It becomes popular to just, you know, say to people, uh, you know, they did a form and the crime is up and, and nobody has taken the time. And I think, again, that was part of the conversation that communication is the, the key that we can't allow for the entire discussion and all of the participants who are needed in this discussion to be somehow exempted from having the real conversation and letting people actually know what it is that that's happened, what is happening. And then, of course, like you said, if there's data that that you have about a certain situation that you think we could be helpful about, uh, you know, give me the data and I will certainly you know, work to help. But, um, you know, and again, I think I think that having the conversation like this is um, important. Uh, I think, again, contextualizing that, you know, the whole, you know, bail and everything else, every criminal justice reform, frankly, has become, you know, just a national GOP uh, talking point. Uh, everybody ran against, you know, everybody ran against whatever you did maybe in your state around criminal justice, you know, every GOP candidate was saying, you know, the same three things, immigration, uh, you know, criminal justice reform and inflation. It was it was a national talking point. And now we're post-election here. Uh, we want to roll up our sleeves. We want to get to work, but we want to do it in a way that at least contextualizes what's been done, tells people the truth. And we do solutions based on data. So, so you you actually bring up a really interesting point, which is about that Republican messaging and the elections and how it went. You retain a state Senate supermajority. However, in the governor's race, Lee Zeldin, who was talking about all those things you just talked about, you know, sort of incessantly, especially cost of living and um, and criminal justice and crime and public safety, um, did the best a Republican nominee has done since George Pataki was winning elections. Um, did you take any any big lesson away from that election? Because your state Senate candidates uh, had to outrun the governor, it turned out, by by pretty high percentages in order to win their races because of how relatively close the governor's race was. What do you make of some of that mixed results? Did you take anything away from that in terms of um, your conferences, candidates, and obviously you you lost some seats on Long Island. As I said in the intro, you made up for those elsewhere. But 
Um, did, did you come away with any takeaways from those elections, especially in terms of what happened at the top of the ticket versus how your conference did? There's a, a, a sort of a, a, a challenging nut to crack there in terms of understanding that difference where some of your conference members had had to and did outrun the governor by significant percentages. Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to to really you know, I, I wasn't involved in the governor's campaign. I mean, obviously, I was involved in terms of being out stumping, uh, you know, for her as 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 um, things, you know, moved on. And, and you know, I'm happy that I was able to be supportive uh, as as many of us were during um, the campaign. But for us, uh, I think my takeaway is that our candidates uh, worked hard. They were great. Uh, and, you know, we really didn't hide from the criminal justice message. You know, I mean, even I I had a candidate and same thing was happening. But, um, you know, and I go into even most, uh, you know, a conservative area who had heard the message about, you know, this and that and how terrible it all was. And, and the reality is that once you say to people, what I'm trying to do is make sure that somebody who's accused, accused of doing something that is a misdemeanor does not wind up languishing in jail, therefore losing their home, losing their job, losing their family, you know, it, and, 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 and still shows up as the data says for their day in court. And I had I met nobody who didn't understand why that made sense. But again, if, if all you're hearing is noise and 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 you're running away from what exactly you did, then it gives people uh an opportunity to believe that somehow you have done something wrong. So you know I'm I'm excited that we were able that you know we are having again the historic uh, amount of, of senators. I mean, when we had the supermajority during the last term, it was the first time a supermajority had been in the chamber. And now to have a back-to-back, that too is historic. But again, I think people appreciate what we've done, uh, you know, what what we could do uh, that, the na- that the national government uh, was not able to do. As I, and as, as I started earlier, I mean, we were, we were able to to codify Roe v. Wade, we were able to push back against, you know, the the Bruin decision. We were able to to do the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. We were able to do climate change. We were able to do things uh, that people want us to do. And I think they they sent the message that they want us to continue trying to make New York not only a leader but but shore up the things that the na- that the national government seems. Uh, uh, unfortunately, on the Republican side, at least, uh, want to attack. And, um, you know, I think it helped helped not only our members, but I think in many ways it helped the governor as well. What's your stance on whether Jay Jacobs should remain as the head of the state Democratic Party? You know, um, yeah, again, I have not uh, come out uh, for or against. Uh, I do believe, and I've said this in a statement, uh, and anytime I'm asked, you know, I do believe that the state party can be uh, more collaborative with uh, with Democrats uh, across the state. I believe that um, if we are 
a really a state party that we should be able to, you know, move in in the same direction and not be fighting each other or or disparaging each other within uh, within our own ranks. Mm. And I unfortunately see a, a little too much of that. Uh, you know, you know, the state party chair is too often been in a position of uh, instead of, you know, building bridges, kind of attacking. I, I don't think that's what we need to be doing. Uh, but the other thing is that because we've never, quite honestly, certainly since uh, I've been in leadership, been able to depend on the state party helping our candidates, we have developed an amazing, um, you know, our own amazing uh you know, campaign uh, apparatus and uh, Senator Gineris has uh, run that very, very ably over the years and, and we do quite well. So, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, we want to be part of a party, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fortunately for us, we have not had to depend on the party uh, you know, helping us. Interesting. All right, let's talk about this nomination by Governor Hochul of Justice Hector LaSalle to, the, to be the next chief judge of New York, uh, sitting atop the Court of Appeals, the state's highest court, and running the court system. This nomination requires, uh, if, if it's going to go through, the confirmation of the state Senate. Uh, so your your conference um, will uh, hold a hearing. Do you know what when that hearing will be, by the way? No, I don't. Not yet. But yeah, no, the, you know, we're the, just... Yeah, we're just, I mean, as you said, Wednesday was our first day. Right. So, so the Judiciary will be, Committee will, will be soon. Yeah, the Judiciary Committee soon. of the State Senate will hold a, a hearing soon right. uh, on this nomination. You have said repeatedly you share the concerns of many of your conference's members that they expressed even before this nomination was put forward, that they sort of gave the governor some general guideposts that they wanted to see in terms of not wanting the nominee to be more in line with the sort of more conservative members of the of the Court of Appeals and the outgoing chief judge, uh, someone who wasn't of a prosecutorial background, as he does have. What happened here? I mean, it, it seems like at this point, um, this nomination is is doomed. Uh, enough of your conference members have come out to say they they don't plan on supporting this member. Obviously, the the hearing is supposed to happen, and you want people to at least have an open mind right. for that hearing. But um, this seems this seems like it's headed to either the governor needing to to pull the nomination or um, or this could really go to a situation where the the you know, there's a real contentious situation between your conference and the governor. What What's going to happen here? You know, I, I don't know. I, I hope that, uh, again, uh, we will, you know, yeah, I guess where I want to start is, and, and I say this very often, too, we were, and you know this well, the Democrats could have been in the majority sooner, but from 2010, there was an alliance between the independent Democrats and Republicans that really kept us out of the majority. That went on. Un I mean, we sort of like, look what's happening. Nobody cared until Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Then people started paying attention to actually what was happening in state legislatures because we had to be the bulwark and they realized what was happening in New York. In 2018, that was gone, done, finished. And the rest, shall we say, is history. Over the past year, 
the same thing has happened with the judiciary between the Dobbs decision, between the Bruin decision, between the redistricting case that was thrown out by our Court of Appeals. Everybody, everybody is hyper-focused on who's sitting on the courts, what their judicial philosophy is, and what the direction of the court is. We get it. So when the chief judge resigned, our, you know, Senate, who knows that they have to confirm, uh, you know, thought about this and certainly thought about it enough for 20 members to say, you know, uh, please, <laughs> next person should be this, 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 shouldn't have this, and because that's, we need to change the trajectory of the way the uh court here in New York State had been going. So that had been the sentiment. And uh, unfortunately, the system uh, is difficult because it, it is the construct is a uh, 12-member commission actually picks uh, from, you know, I guess all the applicants, whatever, seven nominees to approach uh, the governor with. The makeup of the commission four of the commissioners have been appointed by the former governor. Four of them have been appointed by the former chief judge, and four are appointed by each of the legislative leaders. My one appointee is a Latina, uh, and um, you know everybody else is 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 who their appointees are. So that she has the, a list, and I think again when the list came out, the, the same conversations. Uh, please look at this. Please look at that. Please look at the other. So here we are. <laughs> and it's difficult because, you know, people have have decided uh, long ago that we were looking for someone who was going to be a little bit, uh, you know, not not part of the status quo. And um, it's, you know, so people have come out and said, you know, labor has come out and said there was concerns, you know, I mean, so does the hearing help concerns. clarify those concerns or is the, or, you know, is this a little bit too, too much prejudgment of this nominee before a hearing or is the best path for everyone, for the governor to pull the nominee before a hearing? What, what do you think? Is well, it, is you know, again, I, yeah. because I've had 14 members come out publicly and say they were not uh, going to confirm uh, the nominee. And I've had a number tell me privately they're not going to confirm the nominee. I do not see, um, you know, this this ending in the way that the governor uh, wished it would. And I met with with um, with Judge LaSalle and, and we had a very pleasant conversation. And, you know, I told him him the the you know what the situation was on the ground. So, um, you know, and he he heard and he's another person like me, too. You know, he's he's a. Uh, somebody who never dreamed, you know, be even in a conversation like like this about about, you know, leading the court system. So, I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, all of it's interesting. But but the realities are that in my conference, the numbers are not there. So, um, again, we we you know, we will if if he continues to be the nominee, then obviously we will, you know, do the process as as it's laid out. All right. Well, um, I'm going to let you go on a, on a final question here, but uh, a lot there for the for the governor and others to to think about. Do you have any 
Do you have any bill um, or any legislative, you know, specific legislative priority that's sort of a, a, a top your list? I know you like to obviously, of course, let the conference, you know, you, you're a legislative right. leader and you're right. you're a very dedicated legislative leader in, in terms Thank of you. letting letting the conference, <laughs> you know, drive the agenda and it not being about you. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, well, I think I think I think that's that's the facts in front of us. There's that's you know that that's pretty obvious. So, um, but uh, but is there a legislative priority that you have? Is there a particular you know bill or 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 sort of type of bill that you know is at the forefront for you here, or even or even in discussion with some of your members? You know, there were things the Senate passed last year that the Assembly didn't pass, or there were things that you know the governor vetoed, or that. The Senate didn't quite get to the finish line. Any any specific mm-hmm. legislative priority that's sort of top of mind for you as we get going here in 2023? First of all, thank you for saying that. When I ran in 2004, again, and I know we're almost at the end, but I want to remind people about uh, the fact that the Brennan Center did, uh, you know, did did a report that said that New York. Uh, was the most dysfunctional legislature in the country. And that was one of the things, including the fact that we hadn't paid the CFE, uh, the Campaign for Fiscal Equity that was due, as well as codifying Roe v. Wade. Those three things uh, was what motivated me to run against a 28-year incumbent. And although I fell short uh, the first time by 18 votes, I uh, ran again because those still those things still matter. And I'm happy to say at this point, we've codified Roe v. Wade, we're dealing with CFE, and we are certainly not a dysfunctional legislature. So people need to know that it took decades, mm-hmm. but, you know, it for me, you know, I got where I needed to get. However, I also know, as I said, education is the key. I also know that I'm in a position that my ancestors would never dreamt of to bring justice. And I also know that everybody essentially wants the same thing. So if I can find a way that, you know, they can, you know, have a healthy planet and have good jobs and feel safe, I'm doing my work. And what I'm most proud of is I have a Senate majority that is focused to a person on those very same things. It is a privilege, frankly, to to follow the lead of this amazing group of people. So let me ask just just very briefly in closing, is there is there a legislative you know, do you want to get let, let me just give you a couple of examples and you can obviously tell me you're not you're not there yet. But um, do you want to try to get somewhere on something like good cause eviction? Do you want to make sure that the uh, build public renewables act gets through both houses and through the governor? Um, you know, a- a- any of those yeah. sort of high profile bills that are, are top of mind for you? Well, you know, again, I think uh, this housing discussion is going to be robust. Yeah. And as I said before, you know, I understand the what good cause eviction is about and why uh, people think it's important. I think there's a way. Uh, I mean, I think New Jersey has something like that. I think places 
in the country are doing something like that. And I know that we can make sure to protect tenants better. And I know it's going to be part of this robust housing discussion that that we all need to have and, and want to have. And of course, you know, again, I, I run my house and, and the speaker runs his house. But obviously, we thought uh, enough about the public renewables to, to pass it. We will do that again. And I mean, you know, like I said, it's, sometimes it's a long journey to get to where we want to go. But again, what I'm proud of is that I believe that our priorities are the right priorities for the time that we are in. And so we were, okay. you know, going to continue to get to move forward to, you know, build uh, and to protect and to actually, uh, you know, ascend to be able to achieve higher heights than, you know, any of us could have dreamt of. And I think that's where we're going. All right. Well, we will leave it there. New York State Senate Majority Leader Andre Stewart-Cousins, uh, very much appreciate all the time and the thoughts. Good luck with the session, and hopefully we'll check in uh, down the line here before before the budget's due in April, hopefully. <laughs> well, I'm sure we will. Thanks. Thank you for what you do. I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Same here. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.